this is Andrea Richardson, and welcome to the Fresh Perspectives in Social Work podcast. Our topic today is a great one. Organizational development is a concept that has been around for a while in the business industry, but one that is fairly new when we're thinking about how to improve social service agencies' function. When we think about today's social service practice, agency leaders, supervisors, and frontline workers, we have to contend with a changing workforce, significantly more complex case work, funding streams that require layers of requirements and data, as well as public pressures from uh, the community for more transparency and accountability. It can be challenging. What continues to be impressive are the number of social workers who continue to enter and remain in the field of work because they want better outcomes for children, youth, and families. So today we are um, we are blessed to have uh, two amazing guests to help us introduce the concept of organizational development. Um, this will be the first of many conversations, I would imagine, that we will uh, help listeners understand not only um, how to think about their individual practices, but also the organizational change that can happen um, and have a broader impact on their communities and their workplace. My guests today are Jennifer Kerr, the Director of the Organizational Effectiveness Department at the American Public Human Services Association, otherwise known as APHSA. Um, she has over 18 years of experience in organizational effectiveness consulting, curriculum development and training system design, and continuous quality improvement experience in supporting health and human service agencies across the country. Prior to APHSA, she began her career at the Philadelphia Department of Human Services in the University of Pittsburgh School of Social Works, Pennsylvania Child Welfare Resource Center. We are also joined by Megan Clough. Of Barry Dunn. She is a senior consultant who supports clients by partnering to optimize organizational effectiveness through strategic use of organizational development tools, alignment, and practices. Megan partners with organizations to build and strengthen and improve their agency culture. She's a team, a uh, creative team leader who knows that when we intentionally create safe environments and honor and empower people to share their diverse, uh, innovative ideas, we tap into a superpower. I just love that. That's just so awesome. Um, so welcome, Jennifer and Megan. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna we're talking about organizational effectiveness, organizational development. Um, I guess the first question I have is like, what is organizational development? And um, you know, it's kind of like a, a word that I think people kind of use um, a bit in the in the industry now. Um, how would you frame that? So uh, there's a, there's quick couple quick definitions. One is that it is kind of a planned and systematic approach, and mm -hmm. its primary objective is improving the effectiveness of any organization, which is why you'll hear either organizational development, because an organization is developing toward improvements, or organizational effectiveness is another name, because it really is focused on how do we make our organizations optimally effective. It focuses primarily on aligning strategy and individuals and processes and building meaningful cultures around doing 
that, that sustain beyond any one individual or one administration, so that you'll see world-class organizations who focus on organizational development be able to sustain that culture, energy, and outcomes for years. Um, so that there are four primary focus areas that we typically see. One of them is, is determining direction. Where are we going as an organization? Another is, well, what is the structural design of the organization? Because structural design can impact how work is conducted every day. And then talent development, we all are blessed to have incredible people in our organizations. And how do we unlock that potential, facilitate it and clear the runway so that they are able to do their jobs most effectively. Mm -hmm. And I would say last but not least is operational improvement. How do we stay attuned to things that become, I had a, a prior leader say, pebbles in our shoes, in other words, they block or yes. mitigate our ability to make, you know, make progress. So yeah. it's, it's, it, it, that's really where, that's really organizational development and effectiveness. So yeah. it's got a history and I know, you know, I, I know we can talk about that too. Jennifer, I want to certainly give you the chance to jump in. Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great, Megan. Um, and I think some key things that you shared, uh, you know, definitely to kind of reinforce is when I think about organizational development, I think about it systemically and systematically. Um, mm -hmm. And so just as you kind of shared that importance from that system perspective. And I think the other thing that really is top of mind for me when I think about organizational development is organizational development is what drives change in an organization's culture. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, one of the things I know that I'm sure we'll get into today as we talk is around how do we drive change thinking from the perspective of the whole employee, right? And so it's bigger than training, it's bigger than consulting, and it's bigger than coaching. And so how do all of those kind of fit um, together as an avenue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad that you you mentioned that, Jen, because uh, I know that sometimes, you know, when people are seeing things that are happening in their organization, they're like, oh, we could everyone just needs to go to a training for this, you know, like that that's that's gonna be the the ultimate fix. But I think what I'm hearing from both of you is really it's it's something bigger than that. And training is maybe one piece after you mm -hmm. kind of look at what's going on, but that it can be, you know, other things might be a better path. Um, um, and uh, a better use of your time to kind of make the change happen. Yeah, yeah. And Andrea, it's funny that you said that because, you know, one, I thought mm -hmm. about kind of how did I become interested in the work of organizational development is yeah. exactly that. So I started in training and it was very soon thereafter that I learned that training is not a, a quick fix. Yeah. Training does not fix it, fix, you know, in air quotes, I like to say, an organization. Yeah. And I recognize that super quickly around the importance and support of organizational development mm -hmm. um, as, as a whole piece when you're driving change. Yeah. Yeah. And Megan, how, how did you get involved in this type of work? Well, my, my my parents would tell you that it started exceedingly early because I came running down when I was about 13 years old with a quote that I found, and I asked permission to read the quote because it has swear word in our family. And I said, uh, well, what is the, what's the quote they said? And I said, well, it's essentially the hottest places in hell should be reserved for those people who in times of crisis do nothing at all. 
And this was when I was 13 years old. So they said, well, clearly we're focused on social advocacy and improving situations. And then I started to follow that up in undergraduate degree of cultural anthropology. And Mm -hmm. probably the most pivotal moment was in understanding that cultures are socially created. In other words, we we create them by virtue of tools, resources, attitudes, values, approaches. And and once we realize that they can be socially created or renovated at any given time, it, it brings forth this sense of empowerment for, gosh, we can improve what is around us at any given moment and ensure that our, our agencies and our organizations are achieving their goals at maximum impact. And so that's it really started there's i've worked both as a consultant and in organizations and the derivation of my involvement started as early as that yeah yeah and it sounds like that you know that kind of experience um is probably stuff that you see uh jen in in your work with aphsa and working with a lot of state human service agencies are you know that kind of aspect of you know the the climate you know the the culture of the agency um as well as sort of your just average um you know practices and functions are probably things that are are probably things that you see uh quite often in your work absolutely um are things that we always see and so really recognizing how um, culture is so embedded into the work. And one of the kind of theories that I always use um, is culture each strategy. Um, so if your organization doesn't have a culture that um, encourages change, encourages continuous improvement, it doesn't matter which strategic you know, priority areas that you have um, because you're not gonna be able to get mm-hmm. there. So it sounds like from just if we kind of think about this is, you know, if I'm seeing some of these culture things that are happening or my organization isn't quite working quite right, or even as an individual, you know, I'm I'm looking for some improvement. Um, What kinds of things, you know, we did talk about sort of that openness to kind of uh, broader thinking and and looking at culture, but what are some of the other skills or you know i guess we call them competencies sometimes what are some of those things that you know you might want to have in place or kind of consider as you're thinking like hey is this something i want to i want to sort of dive into Mm. so i i love what jennifer just said in terms of that quote and it reminds me of another one that she'll know as well i guarantee which is if you take a motivated individual and put them up against a problematic system the system will win every time Mm -hmm. and so when you are asking then about skills i guess i would name probably five or six. One is understanding images of organizations. So how can you examine organizations in a way that helps you consider how they're designed, uh, what levers there are within an organization to facilitate and drive change, as Jen was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing the tools available then would be mm-hmm. a second one within organizational structures that can be leveraged for creating effective cultures and and then knowing how to use them eff- healthily. That's, re- <laughs> that's mm-hmm. really important because to be clear, these tools can 
do good and they can also do damage. They're typically not neutral. And mm-hmm. so it's really important. Um, I had the, a blessing in my career to become familiar with something called the chain reaction of excellence. Mm-hmm. And it was based on research of how world-class organizations standardly organize their priorities. And so for me, that's another one. It's a very learnable tool. So it's it's less about having, you know, an innate skill or ability and more about, listen, if you could become familiar with that. In terms of the skills I think we absolutely need, we need to be able to observe. So mm-hmm. we have to monitor, yes. view, listen, mm-hmm. and analyze on a regular ongoing basis. Just imagine that Jen and I in our work are on reconnaissance mode all the time <laughs> we can't help it it's yeah. built in and 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 we know as we think about you know today's group who are likely listening social workers um administrators within agencies they are as well so mm-hmm. we know that this skill is well inherent within within the within the audience for today's podcast and then i think also influencing skills yes because we're influencing change and and as we all know we we don't have control really over anything other than ourselves so mm-hmm. how can we influence um, and and I think I'll stop at one more which is knowing and choosing daring behaviors versus self-protection behaviors mm-hmm. um, and and ultimately knowing that it's not our actions are important. The end goal is about the organization. If you're mm-hmm. self-centered as an organizational development leader, that's not going to work. You have to be organizational-centered, yeah. organizationally-centered, I guess would be accurate. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah. Those, those are what I look for. Yeah, Yeah, and I think, um, Megan, agree with all of them. There's just a few from, you know, in my experience that I think also is super helpful. And just expanding a little bit, you talked about, you know, you mentioned observing skills. You talked about listening as part of one of those those skills. And for me, that listening piece really is listening to understand versus listening to respond, right? Mm -hmm. And so as a facilitator, I want to step back versus step up um, of organizational development and organizational organizational change. The other, another key kind of skill that I think about all the time is um, flexibility and being flexible to meet the group or the team or staff, whoever you're working with each day where they are, right? And the ability to throw all your plans out the door because they may not be in that place, um, you know, to kind of move work forward that day that way. Um, and I think some of the others is the recognition of time. So as a organizational development or effectiveness facilitator, um, being able to understand and respect that change takes time, change is not a quick win, but then also being able to communicate with um organizational sponsors or leadership that change take time, we will be identifying, you know, quick wins throughout. But if you're looking for something, your whole organization and system to look differently or feel differently in um, a month, um, change (laughs) management is not the, you know, thing or resource um, to kind of utilize. 
And, and we chuckle a little bit, Jen, but I, I think uh, I think we all can think of uh, organizations that we've worked with that have wanted that change to happen yesterday. yesterday. Um, but, you know, you're right that those are things that um, do mm -hmm. take time because people have to kind of buy into it. They have to be educated around it. You know, all of these pieces that you both have talked about um, are just so important to even um, being ready right mm -hmm. being ready to kind of get into this change so um if if you are you know coming in and working with folks how do you what are some things that you kind of think about or or look at um that would help you know you know is this person or is this organization ready um for this type of work are there things that you kind of you know look at yeah, I guess, you know, to start us off, um, I look, you know, if I'm looking at a group of supervisors or even staff, I'm looking at their desire and belief um, mm -hmm. that staff at all levels and community members can drive and innovate change. Um, that it doesn't have to come from the top down um, and they're displaying these skills kind of in not only what they do, but what they say and how they model or demonstrate these these behaviors. And so that belief in, in staff belief in self is definitely key and critical. Um, and then as a supervisor, as a leader individually, again, I shared a little bit earlier, but stepping back so others can step up and not mm -hmm. knowing what's next. Um, and being okay with those pieces. Um, and so the demonstration of them, the being verbal about that, asking those questions and observing those behaviors are definitely some of the things that I look for um, mm -hmm. at the individual level um, mm -hmm. for readiness for change. So it sounds like if, uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, if you're someone who likes certainty, in like what you do this might this might feel a little uncomfortable yes, um, yes. you know because it's not it, it just doesn't work that way it's not black and white like that a plus b does yeah. not equal c right <laughs> exactly exactly but i would imagine that you know for those of us who are in the social work field that these are things that you can kind of tune into yourself and you can, you know, use those good social work skills to kind of help you get ready and be okay um, and kind of recognize kind of those feelings that you might be having as this kind of change is maybe happening around you or you're deciding to kind of make some changes in the work that you do. Absolutely. Megan, did you have some things to add to? I do. I think to you, you both make super points. No surprise. And to anchor what you're, you know, I think for for that sense of uncertainty that mm -hmm. is that is uh, somewhat built into organization, driving organizational change. Mm -hmm. One of the beautiful things about organizational development is that we can create by virtue of the actions that we're taking some sense of clarity and milestone uh, actions that are quite sure. So, you know, so for instance, one of the things that I think shows readiness is when someone recognizes an issue. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if someone notices an issue and is interested, really interested in making a difference around that issue, then even in moments of notable change, 
the we can refer back to that issue okay we're making progress on that on that you know so it rallies people around the you know the primary cause that they're trying to you know try to seek so i think both recognizing the issue is a, is is something that shows readiness when someone mm-hmm. recognizes it and then recognizing the issue or pointing them back to the issue at certain milestones during the work can help create that stability and and that and I would also say because Jennifer and I know that this type of work, it can take months, it can take years, mm-hmm. depending on the scope of the change. So, and there are milestones along the way. So that ability to zoom up and out and look backwards and notice and observe progress is, is important mm-hmm. and is something that creates stability. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other piece, uh, just relative to personal readiness, and that speaks to that uncertainty you're describing is, they don't need to know OD terms. You don't mm-hmm. need to, you know, there's, uh, it can be a little overwhelming when you're he- hearing, you know, these terms and you think, I don't know, I don't know what that means. So yes. you don't need to know the terms. You really just need to kind of either formally or intuitively understand that there is a human relations connection to organizational success, mm-hmm. just like there's an Organ or a human relations connection to creating success with with families and with mm-hmm. children. You know, so mm-hmm. that human relations connection again, I think agencies focused in this area are are in in better shape than many to really mm-hmm. understand the nature of organizational development. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very exciting. So that's what that's what I would offer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I wonder if um, if we're thinking about organizations and kind of their readiness to do the work, um, you know, and you're, and you're talking about how like as an organization, it's like it's like its own big family kind of thing. Right. Um, you know, what kinds of things do do you need to have like you know, do your leaders need to be on the same page or, you know, like, what does it look like? Who, who do you have to have at the table to kind of help um, move this forward in a, in a good, healthy way? So I when I think about that organizational readiness, I think about four kind of sub focus areas. And I'll just share mm-hmm. a little bit about each. I do think about uh, it's, it's, or when I think about change readiness, I should say for an organization, mm-hmm. I look at those four things. And so one really is around the organizational readiness itself. And so I'm, I'm going to look at the history, right? And so how many start and stops um, did they yes. have? Is that more of a culture versus continuous improvement and driving mm-hmm. some of those, those changes? Um, I'm going to want to know a little bit more around the climate or culture of that organization today. Um, and how it got to where it is, and then really thinking about the clarity of roles and responsibilities within the organization. You know, are people clear? Is it an organization that is very siloed in kind of the their customer service, or is it kind of blended and supported, but with clear roles and responsibilities? Mm-hmm. I'm also going to look at le- the readiness of the actual leadership team or sponsorship team um, for for this work. And I'm going to look at what is the expectations of the leadership team to the staff mm-hmm. and to the community 
you know, to their stakeholders, to their partners, I'm going to look at how they respond to challenges or setbacks. You Mm -hmm. know, are they thinking that, you know, challenges can be learning opportunities or this is something we have to tackle or overcome, you know, right now? Um, The time, again, that they allow for continuous improvement within their organization, the recognition of the importance um, of continuous improvement and then the final two things for leadership I'm going to think about is decision making and how decisions are made who they're made with not for um, within an organization and honestly the stability of the leadership team right Mm -hmm. and so we've all been around and um, have had to work with and support leadership teams that sometimes I hear people say that this is their sixth leader in seven years right and Mm -hmm. so that momentum for change and kind of pulling those pieces forward Um, when I think about staff readiness again you know earlier I thought about the organism the leadership expectations of staff so now what are staff's expectations of the organization um you know what are buy-ins what are those expectations for systems improvement um i'm looking for teamwork again you know do staff want to and are they created opportunities um to work together to drive changes and support And then the final piece is that general capacity. Um, So, you know, is the organizational strategy clear? Is communication bi-directional every which way um, that needs to happen? How is data used um, for impact and decision-making within an organization? And then the use of what I call strategic support functions. So recognizing the importance of human resources, of IT, of fiscal, you know, of all staff um, within the organization. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of those four areas that are important to me. Yeah, and I think that that's really that's really interesting, uh, Jen, because I think that you know some of what you're talking about, I feel like it's like, man, you're you're like you're you're like a detective or trying to solve like a puzzle, right? So Mm -hmm. you're looking at all of these different things and um, trying to kind of piece together how things fit, you know, what maybe doesn't fit so great. Um, And I really like the idea of, you know, looking at the history of the organization, like kind of like why do they do what they do and where have they done something that has really, you know, been sort of that change progress um, that you can almost like draw some attention to, you know, because sometimes when agencies are coming to us, they might say like, oh, the, everything that the sky is falling and everything is going horribly wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that there could be, there usually is some pieces that you can kind of pull out that says, hey, no, there's there's some things that were going well that you are, mm-hmm. you know, doing well. Um, and let's leverage some of those pieces. And this is kind of why you're doing what you're doing because you've had this history or these pieces you know these things in place so that's that's really that's really great Megan did you have something to add I think everything that's been stated is super and I would I would mention only uh, one thing in supplement which is really we can go into it later too I think is there is kind of a research and an around and an art to how do you maximize yeah. uh, social change? So, you know, how do you create the social network environment within your organization? 
Mm-hmm. And and Jen spoke a little bit to this relative to roles and, and responsibilities and communication. So it's that combination of how do you maximize what research tells us about um, social networking change mm-hmm. uh, to really, really make change mm-hmm. um, and do it uh, in, a, in a meaningful and effective way. And it has everything to do with not only the structure, also the pace and how much people are imbibing at mm-hmm. any one at any one time so i think mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that was captured really in the scope of everything that you and jen have already said so I, yeah. one thing you'll always note about od individuals people who are trained in this field is if something has been said and already said beautifully yeah we're good like we don't yeah. need to say it again so um i'm just gonna pause so absolutely <laughs> absolutely so so when we're thinking about kind of and i know we've talked a lot about change but i i oh I always think to like the human side of change and kind of the the effects that some of the some of your work might have on people making them maybe slightly nervous about like oh what's coming down the pike you know do I have my job is my job going to change you know like if what I'm comfortable in is it going to be different um so what kinds of things do you um do or have done or or kind of you when you're when you're thinking about engaging and kind of making people feel uh, maybe not maybe not totally comfortable but okay with sort of the the next steps of what's going to happen well, I think honoring, first of all, what you'd said that uncertainty is mm-hmm. the most uncomfortable human condition. Yes. And so, you know, most of us don't get up in the morning, except OD people, I will say, and say, <laughs> let's go some, do some change. Like most of us are not thinking that this is our day to change again. And mm-hmm. so, um, so part of it actually is to start to reframe um, change as something that really does help develop, Mm -hmm. progress, advance, because our natural human instinct Mm -hmm. shoots us into fight or flight and Mm -hmm. says, "Mm -mm, uncertain equals, I don't get that, I don't recognize that, I'm not familiar, comfortable, or trusting of that, avoid, 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 (laughs) right? And so how can we acknowledge that that is that is human nature, and then how can we uh, essentially help our own human nature begin to focus more on a continuous aspect of change, which if you think about it, if it's continuous, then it becomes familiar, comfortable, mm-hmm. control, be the, the notion that we'll just continually do it. Do it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's one. And then I think the other is really around this social networking. And there's a gentleman named Damon Centola who's written a book on change. It talks about the research, sociology research around how change unfolds in communities and countries and organizations and acknowledges that really even major complex social change that can sometimes appear like it occurred very abruptly actually typically has kind of a tailwind, right? An earlier history, depending on the volume of the change of, you know, many months or many years. Mm -hmm. And that that tailwind is built out of connectivity among people through complex 
organizational change through meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. And ideally what you do is you create what's kind of kind of called the closed loop. In other words, within your organization, you have reiterated messages. Mm-hmm. You know, reiterate the message over and over and reiterate the message so that it provides clarity by person and by role. Mm-hmm. People want to know what is this, what is in this or not in this for me, and what is in this and not in this for my department, and what is in this or not in this for those who I serve and the organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. So you have to take these kind of large researched models or theories and then make them pragmatically very tangible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key. And that's something that Jennifer and I do, and I know you do too, Andrea, mm-hmm. in in our everyday work, is we're constantly staying attuned to organizational research around what is effective. And then we're thinking about how do we take that and make it very, very practical. Sure. Yeah. So, and, you know, agreeing, Megan, everything definitely um, that you're sharing and especially around kind of the theory and learning and it's this continuous journey for us too as mm-hmm. organizational development professionals. And I think I would add just two pieces. Um, the one kind of is my foundation as actually someone that is more introvert than extrovert is mm-hmm. quietness does not equal lack of engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. Some people need to reflect. Some people need to kind of understand and process. Um, and as Megan shared, changes um, unstable. People view it as instability. And so, how do we kind of move that, move that forward? And then one of the things I do recognizing that is having or making time and room for periodic check-ins and yes. multiple ways, right? So you're checking in with the group as an organizational development facilitator after each session. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm also setting some time for individual check-ins with participants, not just with kind of the project oversight or managers, but participants in the change, checking in with them. Are they okay? You know, what can you do as a facilitator to help drive um, their support of this change differently, better um, throughout the process? Yeah, yeah. And I think that we've talked, we've sort of hinted on like, you know, pieces of this, um, as we've kind of had this conversation today, but what, you know, if I were to, if I were to take a snapshot or a short movie of, uh, of what success might look like, right? Like, what, what would be some things I might see? Um, just from from your experience, you know, both of you working with, you know, a wide variety of organizations, what are some things that you kind of see that would say, okay, this change is kind of moving in a good direction and and, and my organization is healthier and, you know, the culture is better? Um, what, what kinds of things might I notice? So I think one, that's uh, it's such a super question. So I think one, especially if it's a newly announced change, mm. something, you know, brand new um, or reinitiated is that people start talking about it. Mm. And this actually makes, um, can make people very nervous, especially leadership. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes. you yes. know, especially if, and this is really, this is fascinating. So especially if the viewpoints that are discussed around an issue are polarized mm-hmm. and the conversation is happening within the organization. Mm-hmm. So I have some really good news and I know Jen knows this too, is that when that happens, that polarization within an organization, as long as it is supported by kind of facilitated listening, 
listening and conversation and support, teams will start to, without even necessarily recognizing it first, come together to mm-hmm. find what that resolution is. The, and the the nervousness when people start talking about the change. On the one hand, people are excited because you're thinking, woo, all right, we announced it, and then they're talking about it. If then, when they're talking about it, if there's this opposition within the conversation, all of the sudden there can be this nervousness and a, <laughs> on the path of leadership saying, should we stop now before we get too far? And so, and, and I guess that's as well where I would say that Another sign for organizational progress is when leadership decides to wisely stay the course. And I'm not necessarily saying stay the course on the specific strategies, because as Jennifer said earlier, we have to remain very flexible. And as you had said earlier, Andrea, you use the analogy of a puzzle. I often use that in combination with a chessboard. Mm -hmm. So there can be, right, there can be times when we read cues and we're like, okie dokie. So that methodology, (laughs) that specific method we were going to try we're hearing loud and clear that's probably not the way to go and they're giving us evidence as to why when Mm -hmm. we listen to what people are describing there and we honor that and adjust flexibly that generates and reinforces that we are listening and engaging collectively together in this change. Mm -hmm. And so those are both a combination of actions that we can take and cues that we are making progress. And the other thing I'll say, and I bet this is going to be the perfect introduction to Jennifer, is measure, 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 measure. All right, Jennifer, you're up. (laughs) And how do I measure, right? And so when I think about that as an organizational (laughs) development um, professional, you know, I'm measuring it um, kind of from two main ways. I'm looking at it from the perspective of people. So how staff, how community members, how stakeholders see themselves as part of the change? Can they feel that they fit? Do they see their part um, in driving, supporting um, those change? And then kind of as Megan shared too, um, some of the other observational piece, you know, as an organizational development professional, I'm looking to measure change by also the capacity I've built with those that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Can they continue the conversations? Are they doing more asking and reflecting versus telling, mm-hmm. you know, just in their every day? And so have I modeled or demonstrated how to have a conversation, how to understand the why? versus always the what. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are some of the things that I look and kind of measure um, Mm -hmm. along along the way um, as well. Um, And then again, looping back to what I had shared just previously is some of that can be through periodic check-ins too. Sure, sure. Megan? Andrea, can I build on on that? Okay, that's yeah, thank you. I was like, can I build on it? Because it's again so excited about yeah, what, yeah. you know what's <laughs> happening here. Right? So one of um so um so building on what you said, Jen, about uh, those that conversation, that modeling. Mm-hmm. Here's some really great news that that has been repeatedly researched is. And you had said earlier, Jen, too, making sure not only to connect with leadership, also out and throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. So the great news is that 
the origin story for all notable and successful social change in our organizations is the periphery. That's really important to know. It's the periphery. Mm-hmm. And so we have to outreach to that periphery. Now, here's the other mm-hmm. bonus. There is truly, truly a research-proven number, a percentage of people that if you can get that number of people kind of on board, engaged, and clustered around the periphery, it's mm-hmm. the tipping point. Mm-hmm. And that tipping point actually is what will drive the change. So often leadership, formal leadership with an organization will think that that weight is all on them. Mm-hmm. When in fact, their, their, you know, their involvement is critical for getting the story started mm-hmm. and allowing for the conversations and the inclusion. But 25%, 25%, that's the fraction of people that really need to be engaged and on board with the idea or actions Mm -hmm. that will motivate that tipping point. And what's interesting, Mm -hmm. it's not 24%. It's not 24.5%. It is 25%. And it's really very, very interesting research. So focus on that volume of focus intentionally on where that volume is focused as well. Right, right. And when you're thinking of like organizations that, you know, are even, you know, kind of big um, or you know, that that fraction of a quarter of the people um, really is not as big as you as you think. So it's a it's really great. I want to this. this I could talk about this for for mm-hmm. hours. I, I really could. Um, so I'm what I'm excited is that um, we will be back for our for our second episode. Yes. Um, but I do want to thank uh, Jennifer and Megan for starting um, our conversation on the concept of organizational development, readiness for change, and how to measure success. Um, if you thought uh, this was great, you be sure to join us next week as we take a deeper look into moving this forward from theory to practice. And as we, um, you won't want to miss all of the resources and the examples because both of these ladies have a ton of experience and can tell you stories um, that really just resonate with uh, with with everyone's work that they're doing. So subscribe to our podcast, share with your colleagues and friends, and take care. <laughs>